Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. You have permission to dream again. You have permission to write these big audacious goals and dreams and believe that they can actually happen for you. Our mission is to redefine what it looks like to travel. It just seems like the image of travel always marginalizes a group of people, which is plus-size people in a way. So where all you see on advertisement and stuff is usually some straight-body fit person. Like, that's, that's what it is. And so we wanted to change that narrative. I'm not here to promote obesity. I'm here to promote people to live life now. That was a clip from my interview today with Jeff Jenkins, who runs ChubbyDiaries.com, an online community for plus-size travelers who are passionate about seeing the world. And I'm always inspired by people that are working to change the narrative, to make travel more accessible for everybody on a broad scale. And Jeff certainly inspires in this interview. He talks about his journey going from working as a teacher for almost a decade, what kept him in the job for so long and how he was able to transition out to something else. He shares when and how he got hit with the travel bug, his three can't miss destinations and some advice and education around plus size travel that goes for everybody, whether you are a plus size traveler or not. He's got a lot of wisdom to share in this interview and I know you're going to dig it. Plus, I'm going to share a little bit of wisdom that I gleaned from a recent article that was published in The Guardian, 100 Ways to Slightly Improve Your Life Without Really Trying. What a compelling title. And I wanted to share my five favorites in this show. So all of that's happening and much more. And it's happening right now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, hey, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. So excited to have you here today. As you heard at the top, got a wonderful guest, Jeff Jenkins, such an incredible guy. And I was excited to dig into the journey that led up to what he's doing right now. So if you're listening to this 
And you're somebody who is making a transition to a next thing. I just think there is so much to learn from others who have made a transition from one sort of chapter in life to another. And Jeff had a whole chapter working a full-time job as a teacher. And we talk about how he utilizes some of the skills that he learned there with what he's doing now and how tough that was to kind of break free of that. We might call it the golden handcuffs. He had the benefits, the stability, the safety net, and the security that comes with a job like that. Perhaps it's the perceived security, depending on how you interpret that in this moment. And there was a lot to unpack. So we get into that and much more here in this interview. And I love Jeff's motto, live life now. Three simple words really meant to challenge us to meet ourselves where we're at right now in this moment. And what can we do to live life now? Some words to ponder as we go into this conversation. Stick around on the back end. I want to share five of my favorite ways to slightly improve your life without really trying. And we're also going to leave you with a quote. Now let's slip and slide into this interview and I'll see you on the other side, my friend. My guest today is the inspiring Jeff Jenkins. He's the founder of ChubbyDiaries.com, an online community for plus-size travelers who are passionate about seeing the world, experiencing new foods, and learning clever hacks along the way. His work has been featured by Google, USA Today, Travel Noir, and Forbes. Jeff, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Jason. Yeah, good to have you here, especially early in the morning for you in Austin, Texas, I know. and yeah, I can hear the, uh, the garbage truck going by right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know it's early, right? Yep. And uh, you know, I don't know if it's too early for this, but I, I wanted to talk about your time as a choir director. Maybe, okay. maybe, maybe sing a few bars. I don't no, know. Later. No, we'll no, see what no happens. Bars will be sung. I can tell you that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was, what was that experience like? Cause you had a, uh, you know, a whole life. Uh, I, so like, yeah. Whole musical life, right. Yeah. Before you doing what you're doing now. So yeah, I grew up singing, uh, in, in, in choir and stuff like that. And I actually went to school for business. Uh, I switched from business to music education, or I switched to music, but my director uh, of the music school uh, was like, hey, you should do education just because you can have something to fall back on. So I never wanted to be a teacher, uh, but he added that to it. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. And so when I graduated, I was able to get a job because the job in security money sounded great uh, after being a broke college student. So I ended up doing that for nine years, but it was like almost every year I was like ready to go. Um, but it, it was it was it was a great experience to where like I love the fact that I got to be the person that taught kids like how to read music and sing and um, I mean I, it was definitely over thousands of, of kids or people that I've worked with uh, through my time of like being a choir teacher because I even did it uh, at church and stuff too and so um, but it was very challenging uh, being in the public school system here in the states. Um, it's definitely a challenging thing. Uh, it wasn't the kids as much as it was like administration. Um, and there was a lot of different politics and stuff going around. I just always felt like they were it, honestly, in a way it was oppressive. They're a killer of dreams. And I feel like that's what definitely was happening. And I knew I wanted to do more. 
uh, even with my students, when I always kept being met by some kind of roadblock. So can't do that. Can't do this. And I was just like, man, well, I don't think this is the job for me anymore. And so um, I finally mustered up the courage to quit. Yeah. What was that process like for you? Did it take a while to kind of yeah, come to terms with letting that go and starting something new? Yeah, it took nine years. <laughs> oh, you, you, you think you were uh, kind of on your way out the door the first year? Oh, the first day. Really? Yeah. Wow. I literally was like, mm, this ain't for me. I, I, I knew it then. Like, I was like, there got to be another way of making money. But that, that security is, is so, 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 uh, like, like, in, not even important. It was, it felt important back then, but just having security was like everything that I wanted at that time. Um, benefits and all of that stuff. Like, if I got sick, I can go straight to the hospital. Honestly, it actually started, because uh, I kept putting it off every year. It just it kept working like that. It was like, ah, I quit this year. Ah, I quit in a year or two. Like it kept being that. And then my students um, that I had like freshman year was like, you can't leave until after we graduate. So I was like, ah, I feel the pressure of that. My wife actually said that she wanted to become an entrepreneur. And I remember how I think I, I don't think I responded in the most positive way towards her. And I was like, you want to be a what? I was like, what? So I'm in my head thinking like having to process her becoming an entrepreneur. And I actually did come to grips with it very quickly. I just needed to time to think about it. And I ended up resigning before she did. So um, once she started thinking about it, it started making me think about it. And I was like, you know what? I don't have to do this. So hmm. where did you guys meet? We met here in Austin. How did that go down? Man, we were at a conference and it was actually like a, a little like mixer singles conference kind of thing. And, and I got to meet her there and I was like, oh man, she's hot. I actually, she met me before. She seen me before I saw her because I sung on stage. And so uh, that's where she saw me. And and so she knew who who I was, but I didn't know who she was. And so uh, we became good friends. And then from there, we became husband and wife. Yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. How do you fix the school system? I know this isn't really a travel podcast topic, but I'm just curious about your thoughts about the things that you saw broken. You talk about like, you know, the dream killer. That's that's just heartbreaking to think about kids in school getting their dreams crushed. <laughs> like what? They did like this one study where they gave kindergartners a piece of paper and they told them to create stuff with that piece of paper. The kindergartners can come up with an average of 100 things. Uh, they gave that same test to 12th graders, and uh, those 12th graders can come up with an average of five things. So it just showed you how creativity through the years, uh, as you matriculate through school, continues to just kill like creativity and dreams. So I don't know. I think one thing that has to happen, and I always say this, is that um, our government, the people that are like making decisions about uh, teaching, need to be teachers or people that have been in school systems or has been a teacher in some kind of capacity at some point in their life, because I always feel like the decisions that are made always come down to like the politicians, people who've never been in the schools. Um, and then also the schools, the politicians who have actually, like if they are politicians and they're making the decisions about schools, a lot of times these politicians come from like higher SES 
so a lot of them, uh, even the kids where their kids go, are in more uh, higher income areas than the lower income areas. And so how they think their school or their school is going uh, and for their child might not be the same way it is in like a Title I school. So I feel like a lot of that just has to change and give teachers and, and school schools more uh, because usually like a superintendent, a lot of superintendents and stuff like that, they were teachers at one point in their life too. So, All right. So yeah, day one, you were kind of, <laughs> you were done, but nine years carried you through. And and, and it sounds like the, the biggest reason was you mentioned like sort of the benefits and, and kind of that, that stability. Why was that so important to you in that time? I know it's important to everybody, but a lot of times when it's, it comes to getting out of a job, there's always like one or two things that are really the thing that keeps you in more than anything else. And it sounds like that was that for you. Yeah, I started building a life and had, I had a, a new new wife. Uh, I think we were married uh, a year and a half uh, after I quit. So there's that and having a house that I bought. And like I got all these things that I have like acquired uh, through teaching that had, it was bills. Bills had to be paid. And so I think having the money to be able to consistently pay those bills, because I'm always a, I'm still a type A person. So me making sure that I have the discipline to pay whatever that needs to be paid, I want to make sure that that's paid. Had a car, uh, so paying the car note. So it's, it's, it was all of that. that all I the responsibilities. To, yeah. Yeah. Adulting. So much yes. fun sometimes. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, because part of your, your story as I was doing some research for the interview, you mentioned that you were homeless at, at one point with your family. And, and I was wondering if you're comfortable sharing a bit about that and, and how much I'm sure that also impacted, you know, the, the decision-making process when it came to leaving a job. If you came from, you know, maybe there was some, not as much stability as you had in your current job. I'm not sure if those two things are related or not, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts well, yeah, I always tell my my mom like she went from zero to to travel. But no, she she went from zero to like really doing a good job for herself. And I think having a home and having like stability, being able to go from being homeless because by that time my mom was uh, in an abusive relationship and she was like running away from him and he tried to kill us like when we first uh, or like that day we were trying to leave him or she was trying to leave him. Her going from that to having being a regional manager for a major food chain and not us having like a really nice house and stuff like that. So I was like, I like, I like this side. I don't like that side. So it's like, how do I continue to get that? And I like that. I like having the finer things in life in a way. Uh, so I feel like that did play a role in it. And I, I have this image or vision of like what I wanted marriage wise and, and family wise. And like, I just wanted to make sure that I had that, like that quote unquote American dream in a way. Thanks for sharing that. I'm wondering how you ended up in travel, you know, when you quit a job and get into entrepreneurship. I mean, there are certainly, you know, a lot of directions to go. I mean, you could, you could done some things in music, I'm sure. And I mean, there's millions of things to do, right? So what, when did travel become a thing for you? Well, travel became a thing in college, actually. Honestly, I was basing even a lot of stuff that I was doing, even when I, I went from doing business to music to where I wanted to travel around the world then um, if I could. And I thought music was just definitely one of those ways of doing it. And I don't think I've ever said that until now, but I definitely know that was 
one of the main points, but I wasn't traveling until I didn't go on my first international trip until my the end of my sophomore year in college. And that's when I went to Japan. And that's when I got hit with the travel bug. Uh, and that was the first time I ever got on an airplane. Um, and like, I, I just, I loved it. I really did. And uh, I wanted to do more of it. I wanted to explore more. I always had this like adventurous like side to me and uh, I would travel around the States all the time. Um, but I never, and especially in Florida, I was going to almost every city in Florida as much as I could. Um, but yeah, I did a program in college that actually gave me the opportunity to do it to where I, before I graduated, I went to almost 14 countries. I think I was at 14 countries. Um, and me doing that, like really, I became the travel guy. Like that's what people knew me for. Like a lot of my friends, when they first met me, they was like, "Oh, wait, where did you just come back from? You came back from Japan? Came back from Germany? What? What's going on here?" And so, like, I just became that guy. And even as a teacher, that was the best part of being a teacher. I, I did the math, and out of twelve months of work, teachers, uh, especially here in our county uh, or in, in Texas, almost they technically only work eight and eight and a half months out of the year. Um, so you got, you got holidays and summer break. Uh, and I took advantage of those and I, and, and technically if you wanted to, you had like two weeks of like PTO in a way. Um, I took advantage of those two. I was working eight months a year. And so that's why that gave me the opportunity to travel on those holidays and those summers. You know, I know it's in American work culture, having been part of it, there, there is this weird thing that like. I feel like a subset of people don't take all of their vacation days and, and don't take advantage of it all because it would like, I'm using air quotes, look bad or something. It's just like, no, screw that. Like I you better just, take them all. I just talked about that. <laughs> I just you know? talked about that yesterday at a conference I was at. <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan 
Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. So uh, what is your most memorable part of the Japan trip? The thing that started it all for you when you think back to that? Man, I... I mean, there's so many great moments for Japan. Like, cause it was, I was with a great group of people. I got to go, um, with the program. We got to, there was the opportunity of going to mainland Japan or to Okinawa, which is like a, a island right outside of the uh, south of Japan. It's like they're Hawaii. I wanted to go to both and I was like, ah, but they picked mainland Japan first, but literally two, three weeks in, I was there, and then it was like, hey, we need you to go to Okinawa. So I got the best of both worlds. So that part was really cool. Um, I, I think the culture and the tradition like of J- Japanese people, like they, I always tell people it's the most foreign place I've ever been to, although they're modern. Uh, it's very foreign. Like you, you need to assimilate very quickly to their cultures and traditions because I mean, it's, they're so nice and neat. Like it's like the way that they present the food. You're just like, man, this is, let me, let me get my life together. Let me not do the chopsticks this way. Let me not leave a tip. Uh, let me do my bows and highs. Like hi, hi. I mean, hi means yes, but for some reason they say hi all the time. Like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love I love that I love um, being there and like there was nonstop pictures like people were like stopping and just taking pictures or they'll come up to me and do some charades and ask me so they asked if they of you you were like a mini me. celebrity yeah. there and some yeah and but they and they were doing it not just with me but just the, the other folks that was there too and then being able to hang out with people from. Because uh, the program was nationwide, so I was hanging out with a lot of people from Iowa and and California, Oregon, and I was like, "Yo, I ain't never did this before." So uh, that part was cool. A, a lot of people from Oregon and Iowa was like, "Hey, you're the black first first black person I ever hung out with." So to even get that cultural experience with them uh, was kind of dope too. Well, let's talk about your c- community. Talk. Let's do it. I mean. <laughs> You could have done a lot of things in travel. I'm not sure if you, you started with that right away. I'm sure there was a bit of a process trying to figure out what you were going to do as an entrepreneur. It sounds like, all right, well, you were the travel guy in, in college, right? So it sounds like that was a natural kind of conclusion for you. Like, hey, I'm going to do something in travel. That's not how it first started. It first started with me yeah. doing, well, honestly, I wasn't even trying to be an entrepreneur, to be honest. It was just the thought of me leaving that job and doing something else. And that's what, like... I was able to get my own like heart around, but I honestly, it wasn't until I met, I went on a mission trip uh, first and uh, to Africa. And while I was there, I realized me and my friends, we wanted to build water wells in this city uh, called Kajeo. We came back and was able to like build those. None of us was engineers. None of us 
knew how to even get water out of the ground. I didn't know how water came out of the ground. I was like, how does this happen? How did you do it? Yeah, man. Uh, this organization taught us uh, how to build wells for cheap. The process is not that hard. And we understood it and went back and tried to build. Like We, we were able to build one well. Uh, but then COVID and all that hit. So we kind of stopped that later on. But I went on that trip. And then that next month, I met uh, one of my best friends now back in 2017. Uh, his name is Roger Walker. He, The day I met him was uh, the day we went to his home, home housewarming. That's the word for it. Yes, his housewarming. And he, I asked him what he did, and he was like, man, I don't do nothing. And I was like, what do you mean you don't do nothing? And so he's a real estate investor and all of this stuff. And so he doesn't do much, uh, but he also, like, sold books. And so, I don't know, he, that conversation with him took me over the edge of, like, fully committing to, like, wanting to do entrepreneurship. Like, he told me he was the second dumbest person in the class his class. So like to graduate and he was like, so I'm not like the most qualified person on paper, but uh, he had a successful business. And so I was like, well, if the second dumbest, and that's what he was trying to get at. Like I was like, well, if he can do it, I guess I can do it too. And so I started doing Amazon books where I will resell the books on Amazon. And that was like my like risk-free way of like building like uh, building a business. And honestly, it was going very well. Um, I was doing good at it. It was like month after month. I kept constantly growing money-wise. Uh, it was a lot of work, but it was still like, I remember being there and I was just like, man, this, like, this, this doesn't feel impactful. This doesn't feel meaningful. Like I don't get to see the people who get the books, you know, like, cause they're doing it online. And I was like, man, I got to do something. I want to do something else. And that's when I decided uh, oh, I read this book, and the book was actually talking about like it was the keys to t- keys to the secret. Like it was like decoding the secret, and I read it and I, I couldn't put it down. And we got to the chapter about dreams, and I was like, man, I'm putting this book back down. And I put it down because I saw that chapter and I knew what it was fun to talk about. And honestly, it was what we were talking about just now, like. Like you stop dreaming. Um, I stopped dreaming. I know that for a fact. But the the chapter was really talking about like it's okay to start dreaming again. You have permission to dream again. You have permission to write these big audacious goals and dreams, and then hope that they actually or not hope and believe that they can actually happen for you. And so in that, it started making me thinking. Like I was like, man, I wanted to be an astronaut back in the day. I wanted to to do uh like be a firefighter. I don't know. Like this is what kids say and stuff like that. So I was like, man, I I really settled. I settled a lot. And it made you write out 101 goals uh that you wanted to do before you die and they wanted they needed to be big and get you excited. And so almost every one of those goals, uh, I would say more than like 70% of those goals had to do with something in travel. Long story short, went to go build that first well. And while I was out there building that first well, I was actually very excited that we were able to take a, a, a organization from zero to something like like to nothing. Like it was nothing to something. And that part just like blew my mind. You know, like I was like, wow, we were able to start a little organization. Like what? So that gave me like even more confident. And so while we were there building that first well in Rwanda, Rwanda is considered the land of a thousand hills. And so looking out into the distance, I was like, oh my gosh, 
I think I want to travel the world and get paid to do it and help people. And that was that's that's when I committed then. I was like, well, that's what you're gonna do. I didn't know how we was gonna do it. But um coming back, my friend, uh, she was actually a travel blogger. So it was her that actually got me into thinking about doing travel blogging and becoming like an influencer in a way. And she she actually told me the week she was quitting her job that that's what she was gonna go do. And I was like, People do that? People get paid for that? So it was on that trip. And so Yep, that's long story, but that's how I got to getting into travel blogging. But after that, I knew that like once I started researching and doing stuff, everybody kept being like, you should get a niche, you should get a niche. So I was like racking my brain on like what my niche should be. And I thought it was going to be like just black travel because I'm a black guy. Um, But the one thing that my cousin, who's a PR rep, she gave me this like branding sheet to fill out. I filled it out. I was like, I don't think I got much out of it. And she was like, no, it's right there. She was like, you're fat and black. Talk about that. She was like, how many people talk about that? And I said, you are right. And then I really got caught up on just like the plus size, like being chubby and fat. It doesn't matter whatever word you want to use. Like it, it, I was like, yo, I don't know anybody talking about this. I was like, oh my gosh, I really don't know anybody talking about this. And I wanted to be unique in a way too. Like I wanted to be in my own kind of lane. And so uh, I knew I was onto something when we were able to figure out my niche and then I went from there. Yeah. Congratulations. I was, I, I don't know if anybody listening had the same experience, but when you were looking out over the hills of Rwanda and recanting that story, I was getting, I definitely got some chills coming up and down my spine. You might've even seen me here on the video shudder a little (laughs) bit because uh, what a moment, huh? To kind of look out and kind of have that realization. And now it's not just that you've built something in travel that's a business, but you're also making a huge impact, which sounds like it's always been a part of your life, right? Like even with the teaching, you might not want to been there, but you're impacting these students' lives and and now you're you're doing it for plus size travel. And mind you, I'm still a teacher, technically. You know? Yeah. Right. Just teaching something different. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It, it's you're using your skill set that you've developed, I guess, over the years. You know, I was looking at one of the testimonials on, on your site and, and I think this says a lot. This was uh from uh, Liz, and, and I'll read it, it said, I'm, I'm sure you get this all the time, but I wanted to say thank you for being an unapologetic, chubby traveler. I love to travel, but really struggle and shame myself. I worry a lot about if uh, I will fit on planes, fit in seats, fit in the required uh, borrowed clothes. I saw your post about the wetsuit, it made me cry, I went to Iceland and wanted so bad to do a swim, but it required the use of a wetsuit and and there would be none for a person of my size, so I didn't do it. Hopefully, you will inspire me to go back and do it one day. Thank you for being such a positive influencer. So I just wanted to share that one story to give you a little bit of insight into the type of impact here that that Jeff's uh, Jeff's making. Those things mean everything, right? Mm-hmm. Those stories. I mean, sure does. Yeah. Wow. I'll, I'll be forgetting about these testimonies sometimes. Mm. They're good to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So you are a teacher, as we mentioned, and and everything that you're doing. So I would love for you to give us some education around plus size travel. Like, what should people know? The one thing I always tell people, like our our mission and then our motto, our mission is to redefine what it looks like to travel. The, it just seems like the image of travel always marginalizes a group of people, which is plus size people in a way to where all you see on advertisement and stuff. It's usually some straight body fit person. Like that's that's what it is. And so 
Uh, we wanted to change that narrative. We wanted to show you that um, majority of the people in America are considered uh, plus size or, or, or obese uh, or o- overweight or obese. So like we're already talking about a majority here and you can have whatever thoughts you want about it. Uh, I always tell people, and, I, and I'll tell a story real quick that my one of my family members was like, well, why don't you just teach them how to lose weight? And you don't have to you don't have to have this like this site kind of thing. Right. And I was over there like, well, there's a whole bunch of other sites out there just for that. Like lose weight, feel great. Um, wait till you get to this weight. And I was like, there wasn't any like platforms that was talking to the people where they at right now. And and I always say our motto is live life now. So I, my my thing is is that I'm not here to promote obesity. I'm here to promote live people to live life now, and I truly believe that. Like a lot of a lot of plus size people get caught up in their heads, and uh, they know the fear of like embarrassment or being uncomfortable, uh, a lack of community, size restrictions, size limits, uh, weight limits. Like these are are things that they think about all the time and nobody wants to be isolated. Nobody wants to feel isolated. Nobody wants to feel embarrassed. Uh, people don't want to feel like, well, I actually have the same amount of fun uh, doing something. Like even that young lady who, uh, Liz, who went to Iceland and couldn't do whatever activity swim because they didn't have a wetsuit for her size. And so those are things to where like she might've felt one embarrassed and isolated. So it was like I said, she went with a group Everybody else is getting in, but she can't, you know, and that that can be sad. And so it's like, man, changing that narrative, changing, well, not even just changing the narrative, changing how tour operators and people accommodate for plus size people. Like all they, I mean, these these tour operators, they could have just bought an extra uh, like wetsuit because they do make wetsuits in larger sizes. How I know? Because I, I wear them. Uh, and like, and I, and I will go back to the time where, like, representation matters. Like, people being able to see other people on TV or on social media doing things will get them going. And, and like, I mean, it'll, it'll inspire them to go do whatever that is. And so, for me, like, people being able to see me put on a wetsuit for the first time, I actually did a whole video of me just, like, putting on my wetsuit, like, for the first time, like, ever. I've never worn a wetsuit before, and I, I wanted to show people um, chubby stomach and all like, Hey, you can fit into a wetsuit, but I had to do my own research. I had to go, I went swimming or did the cage diving with great white sharks in South Africa. And I really, that was on that 101 bucket list thing to do. Um, I was like, I'm going to do this, you know? And so I automatically assumed that they would not have my size for the wetsuit because I even looked it up online. So I got online on uh, Amazon and was like, hey, let's see if I can find a plus size wetsuit. And guess what I did? I found it. I had it shipped to New York. That's where I was at at the time because it just dawned on me like, man, they might not have a wetsuit for me. So it dawned on me. We was in New York for a couple of days. I had them ship the 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 wetsuit to my friend's house in New York. And, and that's where I got my suit and I took it with me. So knowing that, knowing that there is those options and people actually seeing me in it for the first time, people was like, Whoa, I didn't know they made wetsuits for us. And so um, if tour operators and, and excursion people can find ways to accommodate, like they can buy a couple of extra extended sizes and them adding a couple of extended sizes could make them even more money, you know? 
because now there's a, a group of people that have not like even thought about going. Like they probably don't even know that they were even interested in going. Um, and now they can be able to go on it. So, and I feel like that's how I've been so successful in a lot of ways because even with my consulting and things that I do, like a lot of businesses are always still trying to find ways to tap into a new market. And uh, they didn't even realize that they were um, marginalizing a whole group of people that have money. And so money talks. And so I, I really do feel like, like, like a lot of travel companies and travel brands are definitely now getting into the uh, plus size movement because like there's money to be made. The, the fashion industry is a prime example of that. They've made billions of dollars the moment they started extending their sizes. Companies that were uh, on their like brink of ending, like a foreclosure and, and closing down, like uh, not foreclosure, bankruptcy, they were able to rejuvenate themselves by actually starting to do um, plus size clothing. Mm. Yeah. And imagine, I, I mean, I love the, that there is many aspects to your mission, right? You're helping individuals, plus size travelers, em- empowering them, but also, like you said, changing the narratives and um, really trying to transform the industry, right? I mean, I'm, imagine how somebody would feel if they're, if they were in that situation, like we talked about where you're kind of like excluded from a group activity. And then on the other side, if you're able to change the narrative, like you said, or have a tour company get on board with the awareness and and they're able to accommodate, you know, that person's going to be probably a customer for life. For sure. For sure. And they're going to go tell their friends. Yeah. And tell their friends. Exactly. I wanted to ask you, this is maybe like a two-part question, but you know, one of the more common challenges is, is flying, I'm sure. And you know, with airline seats, they're like getting notoriously smaller and less roomier for everyone. I, yeah, I'm just wondering if you can share some advice on like what somebody can do to improve the seating situation. And then on the other side, I, I want to speak from your experience. You know, when someone's approaching and they have a seat next to you, and you can tell like they're, they're not happy and what is going through their minds. You know, how, how do you, how would somebody sitting in that seat, how should they respond? And what should they say to a traveler who, you know, they may be making uncomfortable because that's not, that's not a fair situation to do to anybody, you know? So I always tell people the person that we should not be upset with is not the plus size person or the person that's not plus size. Like it should be the airlines. Like the airlines is that fault here. It, it's not us. Uh, and they, they're doing their damage to make them as to fit as many people as they can onto a flight. First, I would say if you can sit first class, that's I mean that's not everybody's option. Like first class is definitely larger seats. It's like usually the typical standard size seats that that we normally sit in and on a daily basis. So, like being able to sit in that or being able to do the little upgrade to actually get leg room. The leg room helps a lot too. But um, like sitting in like comfort plus or something like that. I always tell people, uh, look up the policy, the people of size policies on, on these different airlines. So like Southwest, their policy is like, uh, and I actually just did it for the first time, um, uh, last month, but you can, you can pay for a ticket in advance or go up to the ticket counter when you're checking in and ask for the extra seat. They'll give you an extra seat for free. Or if you buy the extra seat online, you can get, you'll get an automatic refund the moment you get to the gate. Wait, wait, did you just say an airline's doing the right thing? 
Right, right. <laughs> um, Canada does it well. Canada, I, I love Canada's policies. They they definitely have them for everything. Um, but what I was saying was that, like, like yeah, they'll let you on early, and so you get an extra seat to your side. Like, long as the flight's not sold out, and if it is sold out, they'll even put you on the next flight out. Um, so they'll be fine ways to accommodate you. And so I like that. Uh, and then other other airlines have something not similar, but they do have some like policies towards that. So I always tell people to look at that. If you get on those airlines where you're like trying, like I go up to the gate agent all the time, like, hey, is there anybody sitting next to me? And I just go ask them there and they'll, they'll try their hardest to like find seats where it's like an opening to where it's like, you know, like you can get on a plane and there's the middle seat open, like man, nobody talks to you then. Like everybody's happy at that point if you sit with somebody else, but there's a seat between us. But yeah, like I always told people in uh, this story, I like sharing it. It's like a a guy who was a a CEO. He was a very successful CEO and former CEO. And he quit, started a new like nonprofit. And me and him were just talking one day and he just started crying on me. And I was like, wait, what's, what's happening? Or he teared up. He was crying, but still, he teared up. Let's say that, manly man. He started tearing up on me, and I was like, what's up? He said, you know what, buddy? He's like, man, I've been traveling for over 30 years now, and this whole time, every time I saw like a plus-size person get on a plane, I always thought about myself and how uncomfortable I felt. And he was saying, it wasn't until I met you that I realized that, wow, these people that are getting on this plane actually might be more uncomfortable than me because they're even thinking about their comfort, but also my comfort. And he said that blew my mind. And he said, I felt so, he said, I just felt so kind of uh, some kind of way about that. And he was like, man, I was almost like not even treating people as human because I was trying to think about my comfort in that moment. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And so I guess stories like that, that you hear. um, And and that's what I want to do. I want to humanize people. However you feel about whatever you feel about uh, when it comes down to weight, uh, we're still human, you know? And I feel like there should be some kind of decency in that. And I always tell people, don't blame the plus size person. Blame the airline. (laughs) We'll be right back. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and (laughs) immediately... I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years. I don't even remember how long it's been, and they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. 
Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Let's get back to the show. Are there any other points we'd like to discuss around that that, that we may have missed? or? Well, I always say, man, like I, I mentioned it before, but like do your research. Like getting that research in, asking companies before time, like before you even get there, like, hey, do y'all have this size? Or like learn about the weight limits before because... At the end of the day, like I like I say the two things, I don't like feeling embarrassed and I don't like feeling isolated. So I will go, if I can't get on this, I find out what the weight limit is. I'll go find another activity and research another activity that I can do. I know you probably aren't like this, but other people are definitely like, I'll plan my trip when I get there. And I was like, That's, that definitely can set you up for failure in a lot of ways. I recommend having somebody help like plan the trip for you. There's travel advisors out there that do stuff like that. And and you just tell them your recommendations as well or tell them your, uh, your needs and they'll give you recommendations. Cool. What are some books you've read that have had a big influence on you? Uh, 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. That's at the top of the list. I'll tell anybody that me and my wife was doing these little cards the other day where it's like little conversation starters for couples. And that book was in there. And the moment she read it, uh, like what what book impacts you the most? And she was like the 10X rule. Like she already knew. She already knew what it was. And I love that book because it automatically, it made me get out of myself so much in a ways to where it's like, like I wouldn't be as successful as I am now if it wasn't for that book. Because uh, one, it teaches you how to dream. And then whatever your big dream is, like he wants you to times it by 10. And then how think about how hard, how long it'll take to actually get there. Think about how many obstacles can be in your way. Times that by 10. Like after you thought about it, you'd be like, oh, that's that's a lot. Or like um, not even just that, like the like knowing that like obscurity, the biggest thing that like young brands face is obscurity. Like people just don't know who you are. And a lot of times people give up and I've seen it so many times where people that are in like the travel space and like are trying to be uh, travel influencers or travel bloggers, they give up after going hard for like three, two to three months and and then they just stop because they don't see any results. And he tells you, hey, push through that. They said on average, it takes four months of just nonstop, constant like posting, posting for people to just start recognizing you. And so it's like in those moments. And so like me knowing that, like that, that me preparing myself, he even talks about in the book, like, Hey, what if a, like a global disaster happens and like, we're all shut down and can't do anything. I, I, he made you think about that. And I felt like I flourished during the pandemic and I already had that in my thought. Like that was a, a that was a scenario that could happen. And I'm shocked that it actually did happen. Um, a year later. (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah. Cool. I I haven't read that book, so now it's going immediately on the on the list for me. Thanks for that. Share where everybody can find you, just as a reminder. And if anybody wants to get in touch or has any questions, and then I do want to ask you about destinations because you're a traveler, so I, I don't want to miss that to wrap it up. Oh, for sure. Um, TikTok is uh, Chubby Diaries. Instagram is Chubby Diaries underscore underscore. You can visit me on my website. And I do have a podcast as well called Inspire 2022. Or just look up Jeff Jenkins. You'll find it in there. So Chubby Diaries presents Inspire. So you can definitely follow me there. How's the podcast going? How do you like podcasting? I actually enjoy it. I actually love talking to people. So like even talking to you right now, like I literally just rolled out of bed and I knew that being able to get on the phone with somebody or getting to be able to do this, this recording, I knew it would bring life. Like I, I want more moments like this, where it's like I can go meet up with friends and um, like just have coffee in the morning. That is that ex- that stuff excites me. So being able to have like coffee dates feels like with all these different people, it's been great. Yeah, amazing. Uh, I'm sorry, it's my face you had to see first thing in the morning. Oh no, I love it. And you're in Norway, bro. Like, like how crazy is that? Like, man, I am talking to somebody from Norway as a kid. Like the thought of being like, yeah, just some days I wake up and and talk to people from Norway. Like, what? I know it's <laughs> crazy. I'm trying to like let my kids know what's going on because I'm like, oh, this morning I'm talking to an Australian who was living on a boat uh, that's docked outside of Sicily right now. And I'm talking to uh, this amazing guy who's uh, inspiring people from all over the world. And he's in Austin, Texas. And after this, I'm talking to somebody new. It's like, what? I feel like I'm a little, doing a little traveling here right now. I love it. I love it. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. So, well, let's let me hear your three can't miss destinations. Now, I know this is an impossible question because everybody has their own preferences. Always fun. Always fun to know. You've been all over the world. So let me hear your three can't miss destinations for travel. Yeah. Well, people ask me this too much, so I, I can definitely answer it for you. Uh, Japan, definitely top of the list. The one that started uh, it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, Japan, uh, Croatia. Uh, I, I love me some Croatia now. And uh, last but not least, New York City. New York City. A perennial great. Come on. <laughs> oh, it was such a pleasure to chat with you. And I'm hoping we can catch up in person later For this sure. year. That's the goal. Of course, we'll leave the various links in the show notes that were mentioned here. Love what you're doing. I'm glad we finally got to get on the mics together and, For sure. and have a chat and to be able to share it with you and keep challenging the narrative. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm so inspired by you and your work. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Jason. You're amazing. Appreciate y'all. There you have it. Jeff Jenkins, thank you so much. What a lovely guy. And I loved having this conversation with him and getting to share it with you. So thank you very much for listening. By the way, always love to mention this is a community-powered show. If you do want to get in touch, there's a simple link in all the show notes where you can click and just leave me a voicemail. 90-second voicemail or less, super easy to do, or you can drop me a line anytime. Jason at zerototravel.com is the email address. Always taking guest recommendations and trying to communicate and make this a two-way conversation. So please get in touch. Now, a couple things here before we let you go. I am going to share a quote to wrap this up, but I do want to share 
five fun and favorite ways to slightly improve your life without really trying. This was a recent article from The Guardian. I will link to it in the show notes. And you know, some of these, uh, there's a lot of nice small things you can do here. And funny story, when I got this, I sent it to my wife. And there was one particular one on this list that stood out to me. And I thought, oh, my wife should read this. And you know what? We talked about it last night. And she highlighted this one as well right back to me because she thought I should read it. So there's a little insight into our domestic bliss here. (laughs) I'll share that in a minute. So let me highlight these now. Number six on this list. Everyone has an emotional blind spot when they fight. Work out what yours is and remember it. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, that one's really stuck with me because if we're aware of that, then that can totally change the conversation in the moment. So that one had me thinking. Okay, number 16. Set aside 10 minutes a day to do something you really enjoy, be it reading a book or playing a video game, or whatever it is you want to do. And when I read this, I said, you know what? I'm going to sit down and play some guitar in about an hour. And I think that is important. If we don't make the time for ourselves, I mean, how do we live life now? As Jeff said, how do we do that if we're not making some time for ourselves to do the things we really enjoy? Okay, number 17. This was the one that my wife and I both thought we should take to heart. And that is, don't be weird about how to stack the dishwasher. I'll leave it at that. You can imagine what kind of a dishwasher wars are going on in this house. Okay, number 22, laugh shamelessly at your own jokes. I think I just did that. Nothing wrong with laughing at your own jokes. You got to be your own best uh, fan of your own comedy, right? So (laughs) feel free to laugh away at your own jokes. Number 37 and 34 kind of go hand in hand. So number 34 is go for a walk without your phone. And number 37 is if you're going less than a mile, walk or cycle. About half of car journeys are under two miles, yet these create more pollution than longer journeys as the engine isn't warmed up yet. Well, that's one reason. Another reason why I like to walk if I'm going less than a mile is because it is a bit like a travel experience in some ways, right? Anytime you set out on foot, I know it's not always easy, It's always weird when I go to visit my mom in the suburbs in the U.S. and I walk to town, which is less than a mile, but nobody walks there. So it it feels exotic almost. It's like, well, who's this guy crossing this major highway where you're not even supposed to cross? Why is this person walking around? They they, they shouldn't be walking. This This is odd. Yeah, so I don't know. There's an element of quirkiness sometimes to walking in certain places where nobody walks, but there's an element of freedom to just walking out of your front door or if you're visiting a friend, walking out of their front door or whatever and just walking and going without the phone if possible. It's always a nice thing. And I think I already went over my five, so sorry about that. I have one more to share and that's going to be a challenge for you today that I'll leave you with. And that is number 60, excuse me, 56. Call an old friend out of the blue. I know, maybe that's the Gen Xer in me, but I do this. I love to call people up out of the blue. So even if you're more of the texting type, just call an old friend out of the blue today. Surprise them. Surprise, surprise an old friend. There you go. 
All right, I'll leave you with this quote to wrap up the show from C.S. Lewis, who said, You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Thought that ties in nicely with Jeff's motto of live life now. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a wonderful day, and I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.